feel like I've just got given, got given, the um, permission to go hard at it, hey? <laughs> All right, I'll get my growly face on. Are you ready? <laughs> I don't do it very well, do I? Hey, I've just got it in the interest of, like, full disclosure. I want you to know I brought my Bible, but I did not bring my glasses. <laughs> and I cannot read my Bible without my glasses. <laughs> so we all need to pray. We went out for dinner last night and I was like, oh, I'm that old person that has to pull my glasses out of my handbag to read the menu. So, yeah, it's so thank you, God, for your living word. <laughs> I do have, um, I, I'm excited for today and I do believe that, no, it's okay, thank you. Nancy offered me hers, but I would literally be preaching like that. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> Eye contact is very important, you know. Um, I have a real sense that God just wants to, one, affirm who you are as a church, affirm the promises of God upon you as a church and upon you as individuals. But I also really believe this is a season where God is challenging us to get up on our feet, rise up in the strength of who we are and bring it. And so my sense is this morning is going to be one of those encouraging, like light a fire on the inside of you, something that God is going to fuel. And so I'm excited for today. But before I pray, I just wanted to give you a bit of an update on Wagga. How cool is Wagga? How good is God? Hey, we're linked together on lots and lots of levels. But one of the cool things about this season is that the church in Aladala, you've sent Tom and Amy and their campus pastors in Wagga, and they're doing a great job. And, um, and I'm working with them, and together we're linking hearts, faith, vision to see another generation brought into the kingdom purposes of God in Western New South Wales, which is so awesome. So, you know, it's very, very early days in Wagga, and I know right now Tom and Amy are with the crew, sowing vision, just laying a foundation for what is to come, and that's really where we're at at the moment. But I was thinking before, like, if I had to describe in one word the transition for Tom and Amy into Wagga and what God has done, I would have to say graced absolutely graced and I'm so thankful I just feel the largeness of God the largeness of God's heart towards Wagga towards the people in Wagga and we don't believe at all that God is going to do the same thing that's been done in the past we we have a really strong sense of God just plowing new ground and reaching new hearts and doing a new thing and something really beautiful and fruitful springing up in Wagga. So pray for us. I think some exciting days ahead. I'm heading to Wagga after um, church today to catch up with Tom and Amy and do some planning with the crew there. But I just know God's favour, blessing. And I'm just so thankful for how graced the journey has been for Tom and Amy, but also for us. As Mark and Liz and I were in Wagga Throughout last year, it just felt like there was such a grace being laid down. So, how good is God? Let's give him a hand for that. I know Tom and Amy really miss you, but boy, oh boy, they're incredible. You sent a really strong couple, you know, into a really large field, and I know God's going to really use them. So, cool. Hey. So, Father, just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. But we also thank you for the largeness of your heart, the largeness of your vision. We thank you, God, you've called us to a life where we walk by faith and not by sight. 
And Lord, right now, we just open our hearts to you. And Lord, I pray that there will be just such a word in season deposited in every single heart. I thank you for your promises. I thank you that all your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I thank you we bring the answer to that. We are the ones that say amen. We are the ones that bring God that yes, let it be done. And so Lord, as we just lay a hold of you and lay a hold of your heart this morning, I just pray there will be something rising up on the inside of each of us that's so key to the advancing of your purpose in our communities, in our families, and in our own lives. We just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Awesome. All right, so I'm enlarging my message on my iPad as we speak. I'm going to start with a couple of verses, and then I just want to lay down a little bit of a sense of what I think God is saying. So I'm going to talk today about faith. And, um, you know, I've preached many messages about faith, and I've heard many messages about faith, and I don't know, sometimes you, you lean in and you hear this rah, rah, rah kind of message, and I'm a bit of a, like, go 150% all the time kind of girl, but, you know, when the Bible talks about faith, I think it's less about the rah, rah, and it's more about that deep assurance that comes with knowing the solid, undeniable power of God's promises planted in our lives. And I just have a sense today, it's not so much rah-rah, although bring it on if that's how you want to go, but I just believe there is a deep assurance and confidence that comes from knowing that we know God has promised and he's faithful to his promises. So Hebrews 11.1, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. In another translation, the message version, this fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. So the promises of God. I believe that everything in the kingdom of God comes to us in seed form, which is really cool. Because just imagine you're giving birth. Well, is anyone pregnant here? Does anyone want to disclose? <laughs> is that a yes, Marita? No. <laughs> um, so imagine a mother giving birth to a... <laughs> Andrew's quietly freaking out at the moment. I'm not prophesying over you, okay? <laughs> but just imagine a mother giving birth... <laughs> just imagine a mother giving birth to a full-grown adult. It's impossible, ridiculous painful, destructive, and all kinds of wrong. And yet, sometimes we position ourselves to believe that we are going to see the promises of God birthed to us in full form. They don't. They come to us in seed form. So just think about a seed. You know, when you look at a seed, it's little. You can hold it in your hand. It's insignificant. It can blow away really quickly. You know, you can look at a seed and not fully understand the potential that's locked within that seed. And I believe that is the heartbeat of God's promises for us. They come in seed form, but really only God knows the potential, the potential to multiply that that seed represents. And so think about a seed. I can lay a hold of the promises of God in seed form, 
And I can say, oh, God, thank you. Look at that. You've promised an amazing church in Wagga. Oh, Lord, God, I thank you. You know, the next generation, they're going to rise up. There's going to be people that are going to come to Christ. And then I can sit back, watch Netflix, and wait for God to do the whole thing. How many people know that is the worst thing to do with the promises of God? So ultimately, a seed is only ever going to release its potential as it is planted. So there's something that I think we bring to the table that unlocks the potential of the promises that God has given us. It's no good waiting for God to bring it all to pass, all on his own. Like, thank you, God, I'm now just waiting and you're going to drop it into my lap is the most unfruitful way to live life ever. That's not what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to plant the seed that he has given us and then he will water it. And he will cause it to grow. But I know for us to be fruitful in every area of our life, there's something we bring to the table. It's our partnership with the creator of heaven and earth that causes the advancing of God's purpose in and through our lives. So I just want to put that as a premise. I just really believe there's something rising in us that is absolutely key to seeing the largeness of God's heart being established on this earth. So last night I was thinking about all the miracles in the Bible and I was trying to think of a miracle in the Bible that happened just because God felt like dropping it into someone's lap. And the only thing I could think about that God did that was miraculous, life transforming, that could had the potential to turn nations around and has turned nations around is Jesus' death on the cross. That's the only thing I could think God did outside of partnership with someone whose hands and feet were here on the earth. That's the only thing I could think God did separate to man. That was an act of his will to establish his purpose on the earth. But just think about all the things God did to turn whole nations around, like Gideon turned his nation around, you know, just totally overcome the enemy and set a whole people free. But he had to actually stand up. He had to rise up into the person God had called him to be. He had to go out and he had to invite people to come into the battle with him and to stand and resist those constructs of the enemy. Thought about Esther. You know, God used Esther to deliver a whole people from extermination. But she had to rise up, risk her life, step into the throne room of the king and plead without even fully understanding the big picture on behalf of her people. You know, I thought about, you know, even in the New Testament, little miracles that had happened in individuals' lives. The guy that was, you know, lying behind, beside the pool of Bethsaida, 40 years or whatever it was, waiting for the angel to stir the water so he could slip in. And Jesus comes along one day and Jesus says to him, you know, what are you doing? Oh, poor me, Jesus. You know, I've been lame since, you know, however long. And I've just been waiting for the angel to stir, but I can't walk. So by the time the angel stirs the water, someone else has gone in before me and I'm never going to walk again. Boo, hoo, hoo. What did Jesus do? Get up off your feet, rise up, take up your bed and walk. There's something about rising in us that unlocks the blessing, the grace and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't think 
of one miracle that God accomplished. You know, blind Bartimaeus walking along the street, calling out to Jesus. What did Jesus say to him? What do you want? He had to declare what he wanted. Even simple things like the words that come out of our mouth can unlock something of God's provision and his purpose and his strength. So I really believe there's something in us that God is just longing to latch hold of and use for the cause of the kingdom. So I'm going to read you a quote. It's from Reinhard Bonnke. Yeah. So if you're ever going to have a baby, Reinhard is a really cool name. (laughs) Um, It's a really cool quote. It says, God uses manpower. Man needs God's power. God works when people work. It's that simple. So James 2, chapter 14, in the Amplified, genuine faith produces good works. And then I'm going to read it in the message. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starve and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many people would want to punch that person in the face right then? (laughs) Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together, hand in glove. And I love Sarah and Josh's heart, the team here, their heart. Just even at dinner, sitting and talking to them about you know, the future, and one of the things I love about Sarah and Josh, they always talk about the people who are to come, about the amazing heaven-linking-with-earth moments that are ahead, about the miracles, the transformed lives, families turning around, people coming to know the goodness of God for the very first time. I love that verse, because that verse talks to me about men and women of faith who know what it is to stand in the gap and actually be the answer to other people's prayers. And honestly, I think that is the purest form of faith. There is something God mobilises as we connect our faith with our action. There's something God multiplies as we connect our faith with our action. You know, and I know the whole heartbeat of this church for many years has been heaven linking with earth. And I believe that heaven links with earth as we come to understand that in our everyday lives, God can actually advance his purpose through our hands, through our feet, through our kindness, through our love, through our acts of service, through our words of grace. So may we just understand there is something There is something tangible. God is wanting to build on this earth 
as we rise up to be who God has called us to be. You know, when I started this service today, this sermon, started talking about the promises of God. And many of you know that one of my life verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I'm standing here because those lights are really hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite hot. Um, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you know, my heart latched onto that promise as a very broken 16-year-old girl. And I grabbed a hold of that promise on a really personal level. God, you have a future for me. God, you can change my life. God, what you have planned for me, it's good. It's not bad. You know, I'd known a whole lot of stuff already, really not so great experiences. So hearing God's heart to want to bless me and protect me and cover me and just make a way for the future in my life, it was breath to my soul. But um, the truth of the matter is that verse was not promised to an individual. It was spoken over a nation of people in bondage. And so I know that when we talk about the promises of God, there is a personal laying a hold or a personal apprehension of God's promise. But I believe that we live a much, much smaller life if we only lay a hold of God's promises for ourselves. There is something for our nation we actually lay a hold of. There is something... For our families, there is something for our community. So uh, may we not dream too small or believe for too little when it comes to the promises of God. It's bigger and it's broader. So I'm going to go back to those verses. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. You think about the promises of God and think about how disheartening life would be if we already had everything we wanted. How small our lives would be if we already had everything we ever hoped for. I think the promises of God are so large that in all reality, there's always going to be a gap between where we are and what God has promised, between where we are and what is possible in God. And faith is the confidence that positions us to see the advancing of God's promise, not just for us, but for those around us. And so I'm actually stoked there's a gap because if there's a gap between where I am And what God is doing, it means there is so much more. Brian Houston's just written a book. And I've been talking about this with our church. He got it from me. Just want you to know. Because last year, (laughs) don't laugh, it's true. (laughs) Last year, our theme in condo was above and beyond. And you know, Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do infinitely more above and beyond all that could um, we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. And um, earlier this year, I went to Vietnam with Nancy and another friend, and, um, and I was praying a little bit into this year, and I was like, God, how can you tap? tap um, how can you, like, go beyond, above and beyond? Like, how am I going to beat that as a vision? Like, what am I going to say for this year? And I just felt like God really quickly speak to my spirit, there's more. There is more. So, Brian, 
royalties. <laughs> there is more. And then I got home and Brian's like, there is more there. I'm like, oh, I got it first, God. I got it first. But there is more. And I think sometimes we just settle into what we know. But the reality is faith is all about what we don't know. We, we can settle into what we see. But faith is actually more about what we can't see. There is something ahead. There is more. And may we have the faith, the courage, the confidence, the heart to position ourselves so we can actually see come to pass what cannot yet be seen. So I'm going to read you this verse. This is Hebrews 11.3, and it's in the Passion Translation. I don't really like the Passion Translation, but I do like it in this one. Um, I reckon it's a bit soft. <laughs> Soppy. <laughs> Sorry for anyone that loves the Passion Version. But um, I love this. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. That is so cool. You know the creation story. It tells us of the power of God to bring life to a seed, to bring something of great substance out of what can't yet be seen, smelt, touched, tasted, or heard. How amazing is God? I think that's why we've got to get our hearts wrapped around the principle that we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we walk by sight, we're only ever going to have what we've only ever had. I don't want to have what I've had. I want to possess the promises of God for myself, for my community, for my family, and for this nation. So may we be a people that don't just live on the basis of what we understand, what we see, and what we know, but may we be a people who rise up knowing that God has a power to bring life to seeds of faith, to seeds of promise, and that he can bring something of great substance out of what yet isn't seen. How cool is that? That is an amazing thought. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. And I know that in condo. You know, so you guys, some of you know the story. I moved to condo about nine years ago and um, linked in with Bruce and Tracy, Sorbia, amazing couple. And um, we had just this sense that God wanted to birth something new in condo, but really no tangible understanding of what that was going to look like or how on earth we were going to do it. People used to say to me at the time, what are you going to do? Like, what's your plan? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> Just get there and see. <laughs> I had no idea and no resources and, I don't know, no experience planting churches and no model to follow. Like, I, it wasn't like I signed up to some Facebook page where single female church planters all, like, I don't know, debriefed together. It didn't exist. It was just, honestly, an incredible journey of faith and... And for a long time, I felt like I was in this dual existence. I was on the ground in Condo. Those of you who've been to Condova, you'll know that there's some real elements of brokenness in our community. It was a total mess when I got there. And I was working in our local school, and that was a full-on experience at the time. And, and I just, it was like really weird kind of dual existence because I was kind of interfacing with all this brokenness and all this pain and all this abandonment, but at the same time, I had this promise of God in my spirit I couldn't even put words to, but it felt more real than what I was experiencing. And I think, wow, faith is the confidence 
in what we hope for. It is the assurance of what we don't yet see. And you're an amazing church. But, you know, in worship today, I was just sitting back and I thought, wow, this is seed form of what we can't yet see. And there is something of the largeness of God's heart for you as a church. And I believe that God wants to multiply the seeds of promise that he has given you. There is so much more for you. There is. I don't know, in periods of transition, it's really easy to fix your eyes on what can be seen. Because it's a bit scary and it's unknown. And I, I, I know you're in transition. I know you're positioning yourself for the future and you're looking at a whole bunch of stuff. But I just really want to speak to to, without even real clear words, what is coming is larger than you have ever seen. It is rich. It is fruitful. You already are large, rich, and fruitful, but there is so much more. God is able to do infinitely more above and beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power at work in us. I love that God did not stop with according to his power Full stop. What would be the point of us being on the earth if it was all according to his power? But it is not all according to his power. It is all according to his power at work in us, at work through us. There is something of the goodness of God that's mobilized as we recognize who we are as the body of Christ on this earth. There is so much more. There is so much more. May we have, thanks Lynn. Oh, may we have the resilience, the tenacity, the courage, the hope, the faith, I don't know, the fire to stay the course for what is coming. And I believe that is something God wants you to latch your whole heart on. Stay the course. You know, don't be weary in doing good, for in due time you will reap a harvest, says God. So stay the course, go the journey, and let faith do its complete work in you, but let faith do its complete work through you, above and beyond. So I want to talk about three things regarding faith. Somebody wave when it's time to stop. Asked Nancy yesterday how long we could preach for, so I wasn't sure. She said an hour and a half. So thanks, Nance. <laughs> you can all, like, thank her later. <laughs> all right, three things about faith. First of all, faith isn't comfortable. Who's pumped about that? Who, I reckon that deserves a clap all on its own. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a really weak clap, just so you know. <laughs> faith is not comfortable. So anyone ever heard, maybe don't put your hands up here, just a silent in your heart as um, I say this. Anyone ever prayed, Holy Spirit, fill me? <laughs> I have. Holy Spirit, fill me. I think that's a really dumb prayer to pray. <laughs> I, I don't, I know that, I know we need the Holy Spirit to fill us. But I also know he already has. I don't want the Holy Spirit to fill me. I thought about this. Well, if the Holy Spirit's going to fill me, it means I am believing for him to fill the space I have created for him. I don't want God to just fill and occupy the space I have got for him. 
I want him to stretch me. <laughs> I reckon it's a better prayer to pray. Not Holy Spirit, fill me, but Holy Spirit, stretch me. I believe that God wants to do more than just fill us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to enlarge our hearts. He wants to make more room in us for the God dream. You know, the Bible is very clear that God is a master at creating something out of nothing. In fact, the Word of God says he calls things that are not as though they are. He is the master of creating something out of nothing. But the truth is, the seed of that is already sown in our hearts long before we see it in the flesh. If faith was comfortable, we wouldn't need it. Because if faith was comfortable, we would already have within our reach everything we wanted. <laughs> faith is necessary because there is so much that is without, outside of our reach. Faith is necessary because faith causes us to stretch, causes us to enlarge. And I want to encourage you, don't pray, God's going to fill you. Pray, God, stretch me. During the week, I was reading about this guy called Jabez. Some of you would know Jabez. And um, the Bible talks about him in 1 Chronicles 4. And um, the Bible says when Jabez was born, the experience of giving birth to him was so painful to his mother that she called him Jabez. And Jabez's name literally means grief or sorrow. So he would literally go, um, hi, my name is Grief and Sorrow. How are you today? That's his whole identity was wrapped around the trauma he caused his mum. I love Jabez. The Bible says he was more honourable than his brothers. You know, and, and because of the honour in his heart and because he wasn't wrapping his identity around what was behind him but around what was ahead of him, he prayed a bold and courageous prayer. And he prayed, God, I pray that you will bless me indeed. This does not sound like the prayer someone who identifies with grief and sorrow as their personality would pray. Something in Jabez rose up. And he says, God, I pray that you will bless me indeed. I pray that you will enlarge my territory. I pray that your hand will be with me. I pray that you will keep me from evil and that it will not cause me harm. And that word harm in the Bible, funnily enough, means grief, means sorrow. So Jabez is literally saying, my past may be a past of grief and sorrow, but God, I'm praying and I'm pressing in for your blessing. And I am praying that you will extend my territory. I am praying, God, your hand on me, your protection. And I'm also praying, God, that you will protect me from the power of grief. He's actually saying, God, let not my past be my future. And that word grief in the Bible, it literally means he's saying, God, I don't want the pain to actually carve into me in a way that is wrong. I, I don't want that pain to cause me to become less than who I am. That is the prayer of someone who's going, God, stretch me. Don't just fill me, but stretch me. God, I want to actually walk in greater authority. I want to walk in greater fruitfulness. I don't want my past to define my future. And I don't want pain to carve into me in a way that marks me and makes me smaller. So come on, let's rise up. 
Let's ask God to stretch us. Let's ask God to enlarge our territory and believe for more, greater fruitfulness than we have ever known. So a couple of things. If faith was comfortable, we wouldn't need it because everything we wanted would be within our reach. But faith is absolutely necessary because no matter how big we dream for ourselves, God dreams above and beyond. And what is in his heart for us is impossible for us to reach without the Holy Spirit. If your dream is comfortable, it's too small. If your dream is all about yourself, this is the growly moment maybe, Sarah. <laughs> Not growly. Come on, let's come up a bit. Let's dream bigger than ourselves. If your dream is comfortable, it's too small. And if your dream is all about you, it's too small. Faith is not comfortable. Second thing, I love this, this is fun. Faith is not logical. It will not always make sense. Good news, hey, happy days. <laughs> you think about it, just knowing God is literally a gift of faith in our lives. It makes no sense to ask someone we have never seen, heard, touched. I was going to say taste, but that's just weird. <laughs> we'll just hear, see, touch. It makes no sense to give lordship and full control of our lives over to somebody we have never heard, never seen, and never touched. Faith, it is not logical. I was thinking personally. Probably one of the most illogical things I've ever done is tithe. Most of the time, most of my life, I've tithed and not had enough money. And I know when I went to condo, it was like, God, I can't afford not to tithe. It was ridiculous um, how much of a stretch tithing was. I have been blown away at God's faithfulness. It makes no sense to sow 10% when what you already earn isn't enough to pay the bills. But boy, oh boy, there is something we tap into of the provision of heaven and the goodness of God when we refuse to live by what we understand. Let's not live on the basis of what we understand. Let's live for something so much larger. You know, thinking about faith and our journey in faith, I think there's moments when we're believing for more. You can really feel vulnerable, even a bit insecure, and you can look in those moments for other people to validate your journey and, hey, good job, and you're on the right track, and this is awesome. And, um, you know, it's so easy to look to other people to validate us. But I think one of the things that I've learned is that people can't validate what they don't understand. And people can't validate what they don't see. So if I'm going to live for something bigger than myself, at some level, that means there's going to be points of my life where I step out in faith and obedience, even though other people may not get what is going on. That was definitely my experience in moving to Kondobli. Because a lot of people didn't understand, didn't get it, and thought I had gone insane. I think that people thought I must have done something wrong and I was being punished to the outback regions of Australia. <laughs> but I knew God was in it. And I love Condo, and I'm so thankful that God has called me out west. But I just really want to encourage you, if you're going to be a man or woman of the Spirit, 
You're going to be a man or woman of faith. You're not going to live on the basis of what other people validate in you. You're going to walk by faith. You're not going to walk by sight. The other thing about that, sometimes it's not people we look to to validate our faith steps. It's our circumstances. We look to our circumstances to validate, oh, is this the right thing to do and should I take this step? If I looked to my circumstances to validate the journey I have had in God, I would still be living with Nancy, which was really awesome. I would be completely unfruitful, irrelevant, and unable to make an impact upon the world around me because I would have stayed behind. You know, we can't allow and wait for our circumstances to line up before we step out in faith and obedience. And I know with me, I think it was a year after God spoke to me about going to Kondoblin before I actually left, and the doors just weren't opening. And in the end, I just made this commitment before God. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any strategy. I didn't have any friends in Kondoblin. I didn't have a house, and I didn't have a job. But in the end, it was like, I'm just going to have to go. So I set a date before God. I said, right, God, if, before, if, uh, if I get a job, I'll go. If I get a house, I'll go. But if neither of those happen before June 2009, I'll go. <laughs> God was very good to me because he gave me a job. <laughs> but no house. The circumstances did not line up. And some of you know it was six months after moving out west and leaving Aladala behind that God allowed me to buy a house and the circumstances kind of caught up to God's promises. So come on, let's not line our faith journey up with what we already see because we're going to be out of step with the Holy Spirit. Walk in faith, walk in obedience and leave the rest in God's hands. Amen? Come on, give God a hand. All right, last thing. So first of all, faith is not comfortable. Who's pumped about that? Faith is not log logical. That's pretty fun. Next one. You ready? This is awesome. You're going to love it. Faith is not passive. So Rosie, come here. Let's give this amazing woman a hand. She absolutely smashed it today. Okay. She's like all fire and all things great, hey. But right now you're just going to be passive and I'm not. Okay, just to show you the difference. All right, are you ready? No video cameras allowed right now. Stand still. Okay. Here we go. Okay, we'll clap now. You can tell. There's a big difference between passive and active. Passive is still, immobile, static. Sometimes faith is ridiculous, <laughs> but it is all about being involved. It is about taking action. It is about, I don't know, doing what is not comfortable. It is about sometimes looking darn silly, but it is always about being involved. Give Rosie a hand. So super talented. So I want to tell you the story about a man who was anything but passive. And his name, also a really good name for anyone giving birth to sons in the next season. Benaniah. How cool is that name? Benaniah. Who's heard of Benaniah? Right, so he is one of David's mighty men, King David's mighty men. And you can read about him in 2 Samuel 23. Benaniah had trained his whole life to be a warrior. His whole life. He'd practiced his skill. Had honed his skill. One day the Bible says he was walking along and he saw a lion. 
Now, he did what wasn't comfortable, what wasn't logical, and he definitely wasn't passive. Because if I was Ben and I, and I saw a lion, but it didn't see me, I'd be like bragging about my near-death experience. Oh, you should have seen what happened to me today. I was so lucky, but this lion, and he didn't see me, and I was, he didn't do that. The Bible says he saw this lion, lion didn't see him. He was like, you beauty, this is my moment. I have been training for this my whole life. I've got my sword, I've got my arrow, I've got my club, I've got the goods, and he chased the flipping lion. The Bible says he chased the lion all the way into, the, into a pit and he beat the living daylights out of this lion. He killed the lion. It was snowy, it was slippery, it was muddy. He climbed down, confined space, lion, man. Get the deal? He went for it. He took the opportunity. He took risks. He wanted to use the gifts God had given him. And the Bible says God used that as a catalyst to promote Benaniah. He had a couple of other experiences where he overcome challenges and obstacles and defeated the odds. And in all of that, God then used it to promote him to be the head of David's army. And I love the story about Benaniah. But one of the things I love about it was that for Benaniah, it was chasing down the opportunities. It wasn't waiting for God to put something in his lap. It was about being fully active, fully alert to what was happening in the moment. And I remember when we moved to condo and Mark came once and um, I still had no strategy, no idea how we were going to start the church. And I'd been there about six months. Mark just said to me, Shaz, I really feel there's an opportunity. It's going to come up for you. And he said, but it's not going to look like anything much and you're going to have to be alert because if you're not paying attention, you might miss it. This one day I went down to the pool with Tracy. And for those of you who know, Tracy's a graduate woman. And um, there's a big, there has, was a big divide between white and black in our community. And Tracy and I jumped in the pool. We had a barbecue going. And um, I don't know, we were just being stupid. And I was trying to drown her and she was trying to drown me. And then we looked up and no kidding, there were about 40 or 50 people in the pool, all stopped and all just watching us. Like, there's this white woman and this Roger woman and they like each other. <laughs> it was just one of those moments and that was the moment where I thought something for us in all of this, just being present in our community. We just started in our church with barbecues at the pool where we'd muck around with the kids and we'd throw balls and we'd be stupid and we'd play volleyball and we just started to build friendships. And then when it got cold and the pool shut, we had barbecues at Tracy's place. And then when it got too big, too small, we then moved it to my place and for four years, we had barbecues at my place. We played games and cards and stupid stuff and we fed people. And that was the opportunity. It wasn't really a wow moment. It was just a little wow. Wow, I think there's something in this. Let's give it a go. I just really want to encourage you. I think there's some things God wants to do. And then they're going to come to you in seed form. But don't be passive and just wait for God to like give you something in full-grown maturity. It's going to come. It might not come in the form you expect. But if you're willing to plant those seeds and do the most you can with it, you will be amazed at the life and substance God brings out of it. So faith, it's not passive. It's active and it is involved. You know, I believe very much, God, the kind of faith that God is calling us to, it's not a passive faith. You know, it's not a safe faith. 
He's calling us to fight the good fight of faith and to give it all we've got. If you read the Narnia books, I love Narnia, Aslan the Lion, and it represents Jesus. And, um, you know, the four children, they describe him. He's not a safe lion. No, but he's good. I don't believe God's calling us to be passive and safe. I believe God's calling us to live bold, beautiful, fruitful lives where we plant the seeds God has given us and he breathes upon them and multiplies them for his kingdom purpose. So let's be involved. Last thing I want to say, you know, the Bible says, maybe the band can come. All God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You know, it is possible to dream big. Maybe some of you have got signs up in your house somewhere. Dream big. Sounds awesome. Sounds incredible. Sounds bold. Sounds cutting edge, doesn't it? To dream big. But it is possible to dream big, to chase after dream big dreams and get lost along the way. It is possible to dream the boldest, biggest dreams you can imagine and lose your step and be completely off track. The Bible says all God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So it is possible to dream big and get lost, but it is a totally different thing when God gives you a dream. You know, I believe that God dreams build and shape us like Jabez to be everything God has called us to be. How do you know that what you are dreaming is a God dream? How do you know that what you are dreaming is going to build and shape you to be everything you can be in God? I want to tell you, it is a God dream. If the person, Jesus Christ, is at the very centre of that dream. That's when you know it is a God dream because Jesus is at the centre. You know, Jesus makes all of God's promises possible and in the process lays a foundation of faith in who we are. We need Jesus at the centre. I see God doing such incredible things in and through our lives, but the correct placement for us is to have Jesus as number one and him absolutely at the centre of everything that we are. And I read this quote, and it's from a guy called Mark Batterson. Big dreams are the byproduct of a big God, and they make big people in the process. The goal isn't to accomplish the dream God has given you. It's who you become in the process. God gives us big dreams to keep us on our knees and to form the character of Christ in our hearts. You know, in John 15, it says, if we abide in God and he abides in us, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. It is absolutely 100% all about Jesus. At work, the very center of who we are as a church, as a community of faith, as a family, as individuals, as sons and daughters, the most fruitful positioning for us is with Jesus at the absolute centre. I just believe today 
God is wanting to lay a hold of our hearts in a great way and to position us so that he is able to do above and beyond anything we ask, think or imagine according to his power at work in us. In a minute, I'm going to hand back to Pastor Sarah and Josh and they'll take the service where they want to take it. But I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. I think one of the most, the absolute, most life-changing, most significant decision I ever made was to ask Jesus to come into the very centre of my life and bring order from the inside out. The Bible calls that lordship. It talks about putting Jesus where he belongs, in control of our lives and just leading and guiding us. You know, I thank you, God, that where you are leading us, it is above and beyond what we can see or imagine. But God, I thank you that you lead us from the inside out. And I pray today, God, that you will increase in our lives. I pray today, God, that if you're off center in our life, that today, God, we will refresh and we will reposition you as Lord of our lives, as number one. God, I thank you from that place, there's a fruitfulness. There is a grace. There is a growth. There is a multiplication. There is a bounding of your goodness in every area of our lives. I just thank you, God, for who you are. And in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that you will advance in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to hand to Sarah. Awesome. Thanks, Shaz. Let's give her a big hand. That was such a great word, solid word for us. Hey, let's stand. We're going to sing. I think we might sing. What are we playing? Cool. We'll sing the stand. And I just think God is continuing to speak into hearts. And if you do want to make that commitment just to come out and if something maybe that Sharon was speaking to you about really spoke to you and you want to step out in faith and say, I'm actually committing to this and putting Jesus first, even though it doesn't make sense and even though my circumstance might not be aligning up, feel free to come out the front. Otherwise, God can do business in your seat. And um, yeah, thank you, team.